You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here is Matt Hatfield. Good Saturday morning. It is the 25th day of February, the year 2023. It's our final Saturday of February 2023, and it is Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1, 757 Saturday Sports Talk here. We've got Dino Franz, other side of the glass. I am Matt Hatfield. We've got the coach, Ed Young, joining me here in just a second as well as we get things started off here on the program. We've got some special guests throughout the morning. We'll go through the high school basketball region playoff scores. The Sunbelt tournament brackets are set for both the men's and women's hoop side of things and uh on the program right now to start things off that we've got a special guest and we congratulate him on his 200th win last night as the head man of the old dominion monarchs 19 and 11 11 and 7 in the Sun Belt as they rallied last night to get a win at chartway arena before a raucous crowd of over 6471 to 67 we say good morning and congrats to jeff jones coach a great win for you last night did you get much sleep last night oh hold on here we'll see if we got coach on the line here we'll give it a second go um but uh no, I, I thank you. I appreciate it, and uh, you know, excited to be on with you. Uh, and uh, hopefully, Ed will be on. I, I've, uh, he and I have texted, but I wanted to congratulate him. He hit a, a, a big milestone uh, uh, not not too long ago. That was uh, that was terrific. Hey, hey, good morning to you, Jeff. Congrats to you. I'm here. I'm here. Congrats right. to you. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Well, uh, I heard you last night on the post-game show on my bus ride back with the Odie women from Myrtle Beach tell uh, Ted and Dave, what does 200 wins mean? Well, it means we get the, if we get the next one, it's 201. But uh, I did see <laughs> last night, Coach, uh, on social media, I didn't know this until your wife tweeted it, this landmark victory happened to also be on the date of your late father's birthday. And he was a heck of a player and coach in his own right. So I imagine that provided some extra significance for you. It, it, it did. And, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I, I, I'm – I'm, I'm sure he was, he, he, he was, he was watching down on us. And, uh, you know, I can just imagine, you know, him having a big smile after, you know, us getting that big win. Hey, hey, hey Jeff. Uh, and again, uh, I know it's been uh, a good year for you so far and you're still battling to get on there. Uh, my quick question would be, uh, obviously in coaching, I do the same thing is how has your team evolved to this point? Like, um, you know, you have your your projection beginning of the year where you want to be. Are you there right now? You or some things you got to work. I know you had some injuries, which we all got to face. But how do you see where your team is right now at this point of the year? Well, we we certainly have evolved. Um, I don't think we're anything like I would have guessed. Uh, you know, when we you know got together in September. I, in in September, I I thought you know we would uh, you know have a, a a different rotation, and then we found out. Uh, before the season started that uh, Trey Brown, who, who may have been, you know, our starting point guard, wasn't going to be eligible this year. Uh, you know, then we went into it and, and, you know, we're trying to figure things out. And then, uh, you know, we, we, we had some good outings, but uh, we weren't consistent. You know, we were kind of up and down. Then the injury bug started to hit us. And, uh, you know, trying to figure that out and mixing and matching and playing different lineups led to a, a little bit of a different style. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we've evolved and, and, um, you know, we've, we've played some pretty good basketball and we've gotten contributions from uh, a bunch of different guys. Uh, 
Bryce Baker, our, our, our freshman guard, um, he wasn't even in the rotation at the beginning of the year. But, you know, through, uh, again, the, the injuries and, and different things happening, um, you know, he's, he's been starting. Now, he, he only played nine minutes last night, but, uh, you know, he, he's made big contributions, uh, uh, not the least of which was, you know, making uh, a couple free throws down at Coastal Carolina with uh, a, a second left to, to give us that big win. Um, you know, Charles Smith uh, is, is a guy that, uh, you know, wasn't playing really at all uh, uh, early on. And, and with the injuries, he got an opportunity and he's played the best basketball of his career in, in spot minutes. You know, he's not playing 30 minutes a game, uh, but, you know, making really valuable contributions. Emo Essien, uh, you know, Chauncey Jenkins was on the bench last night. Emo had been out against Southern Miss with a uh, concussion. Um, and, and then he comes in, you know, last night and does a, a, a really terrific job of being aggressive, being our primary ball handler with Chauncey on the bench. And, and, and we actually, you know, I think picked it up, uh, you know, during, during that stretch. So uh, we're a more, more versatile team. We're much less structured. And I think we're spreading the wealth uh, a, a little bit more. We're chatting with Coach Jeff Jones of the Old Dominion Monarchs. Got his 200th win at the helm of Old Dominion last night, and a come for behind victory over Marshall, 71 to 67. You heard it right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. Old Dominion's next in action coming up in the Sun Belt Tournament. It'll be a game on Thursday in the second round as they'll face the winner, I see, of the Texas State Georgia State matchup there to try to move on to the quarterfinals. And coach, you sort of just hit on it with Ed here about, I mean, this team's going through some illnesses and some injuries. You beat Southern Miss and Marshall, two teams atop the Sunbelt standings, and you go from three and five in the league to finishing up 11 and seven. And last night, you're down nine early in the second half. Really, I would think last night's game was a microcosm of your second half of the season, wasn't it? It really was, and and you know, uh, you, you 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 said there that you know we came from behind. At pretty much every every game we've we've come from behind. You know, every every one of our wins. I can remember, uh, uh, gosh, maybe Georgia State. Uh, you know, we, we we won comfortably and we had the lead pretty much throughout the game. But it's it's been a long time since you know that we've we've been out in front. You know, usually. For whatever reason, we're, we've we've kind of you know struggled and got off to slow starts, and you know gradually we we get momentum and and you know tend to come back. The big thing is being able to hang in there when we're not uh, not really in rhythm. Uh, you know, I looked at my assistant coaches last last night at one point and I said, "How in the heck are we only six points down?" Uh, but thank goodness that was the case because you know that we were still you know, within striking distance and, you know, once we started playing well, then, then we were able to catch up. So, uh, you know, that's, that's just the, the way this, this team is. And they, you know, you can never count them out and they, they keep scratching and clawing and fighting and, and, and somehow, you know, kind of find a way to stay in the game. And, and we've been fortunate to, to have guys, you know, make, make plays down the stretch and, and, and what, you know, virtually every one of our games, other than that Georgia state game, um, you know, have, have, have come down to the wire. Jeff, talk, talk to us about, uh, of course, one of your the local guys has done a really good job, I think, for Chauncey Jenkins. So he had 23 last night. What's his impact on the team? I, you know, Chauncey's terrific. I, you know, he's, uh, he's another one of these guys. He, he, you know, he never complains. He does, you know, he's a really quiet kind of shy guy. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to worry about Chauncey competing or working hard. You know, he's, he's all, always out there. Uh, you know, given his, his, his all, 
Um, you know, he's he's extremely talented. Uh, he's he's learning uh, the college game, and um, you know, sometimes it's 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 been a little bit of a struggle because uh, with with Trey Brown being ruled ineligible, and then uh, you know, Emo, uh, you know, missing some time. You know, Chauncey's been our our point guard, uh, and and. Uh, he's he's learned some lessons uh, and and learned some things, uh, you know, just kind of being thrown in there. Uh, you know, he didn't get to dip his toe into it. He 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 got fully immersed right away, uh, and he he continues to get better. Um, you know, we obviously we've got basketball left, and and you know he's playing well, but it's uh, it, it's 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 really um, what would the word be? It's it's uh, it's exciting to think the fact that, you know, Chauncey's got two more years and, uh, you know, he's going to continue, you know, getting better and he's going to be a terrific player. He's pretty daggone good now. Uh, You know, I I was uh, in the press conference last night, uh, you know, I I was saying that Chauncey, like the rest of our group, was really laboring, it seemed, early in the game. Um, But, you know, for a guy that labored getting 23 points and I think he had six rebounds and four assists, that's pretty good for a guy that was, you know, not could, couldn't really get it get it going and coming off a bad ankle sprain. Uh, so I, I think that just highlights uh, what a bright future Chauncey has. Coach, what do you love most about this team? Um, just uh, their, their personality. Uh, it's just a really good group. Uh, you know, fun to be around uh, off the court. Um, uh, you know, fun to be around. You know, on the court. Like any team, and, and, and Ed can tell you, you know, they have their days when you you, you got to light a fire a, a little bit and pick them up. But um, you know, for the most part, they they answer the call. You know, when when it's time to to, to play, um, you know, and, and your backs are against the wall, you've got injuries, you're down, you know, what whatever the uh, adversity may 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 be, um, you know, they 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 find a way and they compete. And uh, you know, it's it's not always pretty. Uh, it's not always easy, but uh, you know it's it's been pretty effective uh, for the most part. Jeff, as as we go on down the stretch here, um, how do you look at the um, getting into the tournament in terms of the teams who who's hot, who who do you got to watch out for? Kind of like I don't know, being the uh, soothsayer as to how it's going to shape up going in. I you know I, I gosh I've got no idea. I, I, I'm not a big believer in momentum going into a tournament. I, I you know, momentum in basketball can uh, just, just, you know, turn a turn on a dime. So, um, you know, we've, we've won eight of our last 10, I think uh, South Alabama won eight of their last 10. But when, when you get into tournament play, you know, it's, it's one and done, uh, you know, you can't rely on that momentum. You've got to make sure that you're ready to play when, when the ball is tipped, uh, you know, I really do think, and, and oftentimes coaches say this, but when you look at the regular season, uh, and, and certainly from from you know our games, but the the rest of the league, there have been so many really, really, really close games. Um, Southern Miss and, and, and Marshall, uh, you know, have been the, the most dominant teams. Louisiana is really good. James Madison's really good, but uh, the the games come down, and I I, I do believe that. Uh, pretty much any team could could you know win a game. Uh, any team could 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 knock you off. Um, and and being ready uh, and going out there and uh, 
finding a way to be effective, even if you're not on. I, I think in tournament basketball, you know, it's 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 how do you survive? How do you find a way to win? Because it's it's as competitive and intense as these games are, you know, it's 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 hard to to play great. Uh, you're you're so familiar with one another within the conference, uh, and and I think it, it it just boils down to those teams that you know can make enough plays that can hang in there. Oftentimes, it's more important to not beat yourself uh, rather rather than you know uh, you know making a great play to 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 beat the opposition. And coach, you're on that special list of coaches that have gone to the NCAA tournament at multiple schools in terms of Virginia, American, Old Dominion. When you won the Conference USA tournament regular season to go with the tournament back in 2018-19 uh, in its league now in the Sun Belt. What's the biggest differences you've noticed, if any at all, from the CUSA and its tournament and this one coming up in the Sun Belt? Well, obviously I haven't been been down to Pensacola yet, but um, we're not playing in a football facility, uh, number one. There's not a uh, another game going on, uh, you know, 50, 60 yards, uh, uh, you know, away uh, at the other end of the building. So that's that's a big difference right there. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I think it, it was always, you know, it was always tough in Conference USA, and I don't expect it to be any any different in the Sun Belt. Um, what what I do know is that, uh, you know, that the, the uh, officiating all year long, uh, it, it's 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 a very physical league. So if 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 you know if the officiating holds true to form. Uh, you know, it's 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 not going to be the for the faint of heart uh, down there in Pensacola, uh, but I am eager to get down there and see. And you know, I've I've been told and and that uh, you know the city of Pensacola has really embraced the Sun Belt, uh, you know, men and women's basketball tournament, and 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 has a really nice atmosphere. So, you know, we're we're looking forward to that. Uh, but but ultimately, you know, all of those things. You throw it out, and it's what you do between the lines. Well, Jeff, you know, uh, I'm wishing you good luck in this tournament and get it out there and uh, hopefully no injuries. I mean, that's going to be the big thing as we, as we wind down here and yep. get into there and everybody comes forward with their best people uh, and go from there. But I'm going to go a little bit further, and I know you're concentrating on your team only, but how do you look at the big picture of college basketball? I mean, it's crazy. A lot of I'm hearing all the talking heads say, once again, it's open. Anybody can win. I, I got 29 teams that can win this very easy, and nobody wants to pick a team. But how do you assess in general the overall landscape of college basketball going into the uh, big tournament this year? Um, you know, I I I, I think the, the 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 talent level may may be down. Um, I, I don't think there's any great teams. There's a, a bunch of good teams. I you know, I twenty something sounds like a lot to have a chance. Um, you know, I could see being a bunch of teams that could win some games, but I don't think there's enough that could win the three or four or five, whatever it is. Um, you know, if if, if somebody uh, you know forced me to, I, I I think you know I I think I would probably have to 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 go with with Kansas. Um, you know, I think they've got the requisite. Uh, uh, you know they, they've got some offense to go with the defense teams like Virginia or teams like Tennessee some of these others that you know are really good teams but um, you know their offense just isn't you know isn't up to the same level as, as their defense you know again you, I think they can win 
games, but I don't think you can win a championship like that. Um, but uh, uh, it'll 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 be interesting. But I do think you know, in in terms of the overall talent and the great teams, it'll it'll be really really exciting. But I don't know that that uh, you know college basketball is at a at a high level uh, this year the way it it it, it you know might have been at, at, at different points. I think. I, I don't know really why, you know, guys leaving for the draft or I, you know, I, I don't know why, but it, it, it's an exciting year for college basketball because of all the, uh, you know, the, the, the turmoil and the, the upsets and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully the NCAA tournament will, will be a great one and, and, and finish the college year uh, in a good way, even though I don't know that it's been a great year uh, for college basketball. And we'd love to have the Monarchs there in the big dance coming up in March. Another fabulous season for Coach Jeff Jones. 12-4 and four at home this year, 19-11 and 11 overall, 11-7 and seven in Sun Belt play, taking a three-game winning streak into the Sun Belt tournament and getting the 200th win with the Monarchs last night and it come from behind triumph over the Thundering Herd. Well, Coach, thank you so much. Congrats again on the 200th win at ODU, and we'll see you down in Pensacola. All right, Matt, thank you. And, Ed, uh, again, congratulations. And, you know, I, we, we, we texted and. You know the, the 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 500 is 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 great, but I think the the thing that's even more special is the lives that that you've touched, the lives that that you've influenced while you were uh, accumulating those those 500 wins. And uh, you know that that really uh, the wins are great, but that that really is is the true measure of a coach. So congratulations to you, uh, Jeff. Coming from you, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, it also means I've been in it a long dang time. Um, to, to win the games, and but I've enjoyed it. I still have the energy, still like competing, still like uh, scouting, and uh, you know, you you got you got two hundred. So uh, well, I guess we make a good team. <laughs> Absolutely, coach. I've got real quick before I let you go. I've got an Ed Young five hundred win towel. I'm gonna make sure we get you one of these, and I want to make sure Old Dominion fans get you that Jeff Jones two hundred win towels with the Monarchs. That'll be neat to. Uh, you know, hope hold up in the air at Chartway uh, Arena there next season, and uh, we wish you all the best in Florida. Thanks, Matt. You got it. That is Coach Jeff luck, Jones Jeff. of the Old Dominion Monarchs getting the win last night, coming from behind against the Thundering Herd. Uh, what a job they've done at navigating all the injuries and illnesses. I mean, people had this team buried. I think any casual observer and even diehard Monarchs fans thought this team was dead in the water, had no chance to do something. And here he goes. He beats the two teams at the top of the league in Southern Miss and Marshall. No Ben Stanley at the end of the year. He's had this guy out, this person dinged up, whether it be Makai Long dinged up or Emo Essien who had that, you know, unfortunate incident. He's come back and hit some big shots in crunch time. And Chauncey Jenkins, who you brought up, the local kid from Menchville High School in Newport News. We'll get to some high school playoff scores in just a minute after our break. But uh, my goodness, uh, you know, I don't know that he's going to get coach of the year, but you could make a compelling case in the Sun Belt, the job he's done this year for sure. Yeah, I, I, it it is, and, and you know the injuries that he's, he's had to deal with. And people say, "Well, our coaches got going to have injuries." No, you're not going to necessarily have injuries, and how you got to switch things around, and you got to have kids step up over the course of a long season. You got to have guys off the bench that maybe didn't really count on step up and do something. And of course, your big guns, so to speak, have to be uh, in a situation where they produce what they're supposed to be producing. And you know, I like their chances that anybody else is going in there. And like he said. The landscape of college basketball is kind of wide open. It's just yeah. so fluid in terms of who's good this week and they're not good next week. And you got to get get that six game situation going. I mean, do you trust, even though they're like 
one of the top two or three teams, Alabama, right now. They got some off the court issues right now that we can delve into later on. Which, but I mean, you got Houston who defends, but if they get in a tight fish hitting game with fouls, you don't know how it's going to play out. Kansas is certainly a team you look at, but they're not as imposing. Certainly, with the size they don't have David McCormick, who's from Norfolk, inside this year. So I mean, you can go a lot of different ways, and I think that's the also the parallel with the Sun Belt tournament, where you got Southern Miss as the one, Louisiana as the two, Marshall with the three, JMU as the four as the double by teams, but then five through. Seven with Troy, Old Dominion, Georgia Southern. It's not going to shock anybody if one of those teams gets to the final in the Sun Belt tournament on the men's side, and we'll talk about the women's side a little bit later on too. There's also a log jam where it was a three-way tie for first, three-way tie for fourth. So, all kinds of zaniness. Well, we are due for a break. We got Dino other side of the glass. We've got more to do here. Give us a shout if you like at seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four. It is Priority Auto Sports Radio ninety four point one. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. And we've got all the signage for Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. It is 757 Saturday Sports Talk brought to you by Larry King Law. If you're injured in an accident, you know who to call at 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D for Larry King. And that signage is here so that Ed doesn't screw it up. I don't screw it up. Dino never screws it up. If you missed our first segment with ODU men's basketball coach Jeff Jones, who got the 200th career win with the Monarchs last night. He's got more than that in his coaching career, but 200 of those wins at Old Dominion. I think he's got 557 in his decorated career. Uh, it'll be up on the podcast page later on ESPNRadio941.com. That's the URL I still use for it, but hey, there's some other URLs as well. But you'll find it on our Twitter feed, which is also an ESPN Radio 941 and 757 Sports Talk on the Twitter feed. But Dino, Ed is distracted this morning. He's always distracted by something. And it's not the signage. It is the wheel of, I guess this is like the wheel of misfortune that probably Tim's show uses during the weekdays. It's got all kinds of things up here. It says Carolina, C.J. Stroud, Washington, Anthony Richardson, Jimmy G., Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield. I don't see pie in the face to Ed Young, though, on the wheel. No, no. I was wondering what that wheel was doing yeah. there. You want to spin it, Ed? Go ahead. Give it a spin. Let the audience I'm going to spin the wheel. The yeah, first time we've spun like the wheel, wheel on 757. Seven. Where's Van No Van White. By the way, maybe you're Odd Man Out. That's you. That's it, you. Odd Man Out. And it is Odd Man it Out. It is Odd, yes. <laughs> I got Odd Man Out. You're you Odd Man me. Out. I'm dead serious. You're the Odd Man Out. Get out of here. You're gone. Odd Man Out. That was funny. We should have videoed that. It's the only one on the wheel, Dino. Odd Man Out. And guess who spins it? Uh, yeah, you nailed it. How did his head's tails work, by the way, for the uh, Super Bowl a couple weeks ago? Not too well. You had a lot of people angry about that. That was as soon as he said heads, I said, well, I got to go tails. Ta- you probably made a hey, Dino knows on. me. Dino yes. knows me. I actually did quite well in that uh, Super Bowl. Listen. I had, the, I had the coin flip right. You did? I had the over, uh, what was 50 and a half, I believe it you was. You nailed it. I had KC plus the points, and I had Mahomes as the MVP. You were the big winner yet again for the third straight season. Dino's dogs were destroying it. We got to get that sponsor for next season. As Risser, Dino, and I all won against the spread and up straight up and Ed took the Eagles and lost. That was the the doom for the Eagles, who were probably a play away from running away with it. And then the field conditions and that defensive score changed the whole thing on its head. But uh, we've got some high school hoop scores to go over for the playoffs. But before we do that, phone lines are open at 757-687-9494. Feed that dog. He's been barking all morning, Ed. Feed him. 757-687-9494. Or turn it on vibrate. Actually, you can't do that because you'll miss every important text and call for the next two years. Let's talk to an important caller. He's always important in our lives. The one and only Keith from Smithfield sometimes, Claremont other times, and occasionally other places beyond Smithfield and Claremont. Good morning, sir. How you doing, Matt? How you doing? How you doing? I'm sleepy. I'm sleepy, Keith. You know why? I'm good, Matt. Matt. I mean, Matt. I'm good. 
Who's this we're talking to? Keith. Keith. And by the way, I'm sleepy, Keith, because I had a bus ride from Myrtle Beach uh, last night. I got in at uh, 5.15 to my house. I, I got about an hour of sleep. So I'm, I'm a little cranky. I'm crankier than Ed, which is unusual. Well, get some, get some rest. I know you had a big round ride. Get some, get, uh, get yeah. some rest. And it was a tough loss for our ladies. Tough loss for our ladies of Old Dominion, which we'll document a little bit later on. But Keith, I don't have time to rest because we got some playoff basketball playoffs at the Scope later today for Region Three A girls and boys, and it's a busy time of year before I jet off to Pensacola. Yes, sir. I was at man. I was at three games this past week. Last night too. John Marshall, man. Them boys. I, Oh, the high, who, who, who had the most high-scored game in it, in, in uh, high school basketball? Well, I can tell you this. John Marshall won its three playoff games in the region by an average of 114 to 46. They're scoring so much, they can keep up with the Sacramento Kings and the L.A. Clippers, ladies and germs. They can score in bunches. They are incredible right now. The number one ranked team in America, according to Max Preps. The John Marshall Justice is coached by Ty White out of Richmond. They come down every year for the uh, Benmore Fall League at the Buplex. And uh, they have a team of all-stars, basically. Dennis Parker, who's going to NC State. Jason Rivera, who transferred in from the Bronx. He's unsigned, uncommitted. He's got a host of Division I schools looking at him. Maybe the number one ranked freshman, certainly among the best freshmen, in Latrell Allman and Damon Red Thompson, Jr., junior point guard. And it's funny, Ed, you and I saw them in the uh, offseason. They played at Bethel, and, and I think you might have played them in a game or two, and we both saw that Allman kid, and we're like, he's a freshman, he's a ninth grader, looks like a grown man already. He's incredible, and he could be the first option or the fourth option for that team. They they look unstoppable right now. They really do. I think, I think they, I mean, I, 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 man, I saw Denny Parker went up with a one hand. He, he hit the ball between his legs. He went up for the power dunk the other night. I said, man, I, I, he, he, they, was, they was showing off a little bit the other night. Little Birdie told me it's between Dennis Parker and Paul the Sixth Guard, Deshaun Harris-Smith, who is headed to Maryland. Parker going to NC State for the Gatorade Boys Basketball Player of the Year for the state. That will be announced and decided uh, a little bit later on, probably in the coming days or weeks. But I hear it's down to those two uh, individuals for that honor. And uh, two more things up there. The King Falk, the, Her- the Hampton girls, they, uh, Coach Bella, they, uh, Hampton, I watched the game and let, on my phone a little bit. I was at John Marston and Hampton girl put a show on last night. Listen, uh, Kennedy Harris, who's going to George Mason, she's terrific. And they don't have just her. They have other pieces that have stepped up all season long. Uh, I believe it was either number 32 or number 42. I, I heard from some people said it was a, just an absolute animal last night on the court. But uh, Ed's been saying it for the longest. Shonda Billy is one of the best coaches in the area, boys or girls. But, Ed, I think you doubted her because you, you told me the other night you thought Kings were going to win this game. And I said, no, Hampton's got this. After they had that hard-fought game with Manor, maybe a little bit of a hangover effect from the day before. That was a tussle in Portsmouth. And Hampton didn't just beat them. They smacked them pretty good. And Kings Fork is no slouch now. They, they're defending state champs. They got Soraya Griffin. They got some other pieces, and they're good for a reason. 75-43. Whether you thought Hampton or Kings Fork was going to win, either side of that bar, nobody thought it would be a 32-point beating. No. I've, I mean, I've seen a little bit more of probably Kings Fork than I have Hampton. And, and I would give the overall edge, and I hope Sean is not listening, to Kings Fork, but I thought it would Not be... Not now a, you can't. You would have before. Yeah, I thought it would be a two, three point. But I thought it would make my money my famous saying, whoever had the ball last is probably going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hampton annihilated them. Just annihilated them. I, I, you don't see Kings Fork girls getting beat by that score. No. If ever. Well, I remember the night before, Hampton had a 52-49 t- 
tight battle with Deep Creek. They were up, down in that game, back and forth. And Deep Creek knocked them out early last year. So that 4A bracket's good. Even Manor and Deep Creek that didn't make the states, they could make a case in other regions, which that will bring up another discussion and debate from Ed as we talk about his region of 5B compared to other regions that have teams under 500 in the state playoffs, which might get him on a rant this morning. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I think they're going to be a hard out come playoff time in the states, Keith. I, I would label the Hampton girls, if not the favorite, they're on their short list to – win the championship. They're going to be among the eight, and I, I like their chances a lot. And the Franklin Broncos last night, and they came up short. They got to go to Lancaster next Friday. It's, it's going to be a whew, it's going to be a rough for them. Guys. I'll go Friday. on record and say it right now. Ed's played Franklin, who is certainly a tall team with athletes, and they're physical for a Class 1 team. People look at Franklin and say, well, they're not listen, Franklin can play, and I've had other people vouch for this, too, that have watched them with some of the Class 3, Class 4, Class 5 teams. Uh, they are 24-3. and Lancaster is 26-0. and Winner of that game, I think, wins the Class 1 state championship. That is a championship-level game in the quarterfinal round. Yes, y'all, hey, y'all have a nice day. Have a nice weekend. What about too, Dino? Pete. What about Dino and me? Ed, have a nice day. Don't care about my day or Dino's. Well, thanks a lot, Keith. No, he said everybody. <laughs> oh, did he? Okay. Dino, <laughs> I mean, Dino. Did, Keith, did you say everybody? I said Ed Young. Have a nice day. Yeah, yeah. Ed Young, yeah. have a nice day. Okay. Didn't care if Dino have a nice day. Just you. We got another call before we get to the oh, scoreboard. Oh, we got on the line. Oh, we've got... Uh, Demetrius. Oh, speaking of Lancaster, a guy that did a lot of Red Devils games for many, many, many years with uh, Carol Ashburn. They've been honored for their great work and service and recognition. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you? Absolutely. Good morning, Matt. How you guys doing today? Doing good, well. Demetrius. Good, good. You know, this has been such a very interesting year. And, Matt, I know that we've touched on uh, Lancaster. You know, Dwayne Penn has an opportunity to do something that has not been done in the history of Lancaster High School basketball, and that would be to go 29-0, and 0, which Ooh. would include a state championship if they can get it done. Yeah. Uh, Tim Rice has won two state championships, which actually put Lancaster on the map. Uh, but I think as you and I spoke a few weeks ago or a few days ago, Matt, I think if there is going to be a, a challenge for the Lancaster Red Devils, they can't afford to get off to a slow start. They struggled a little bit in the game the other night against Middlesex. Uh, and if you get them in a half-court game, it could be a possible problem. And now they're going up against sides against Franklin. Mm-hmm. This game is really going to be interesting, and I agree with you. Whoever uh, can, can win this game, I think, has a good shot of going to the state championship. No doubt about it. Good point, Demetrius, because Auburn, the defending state champ, is going to be in the field. Twin Springs has got shooters with uh, Bradley uh, Owens and Connor Lane. Uh, you can't count out George With, who is 24 and 2, and I can see easily in the state championship game. But with the Henderson brothers, uh, Tyson and Troy, 1,000 point scores, they play fast tempo. Franklin can slow it down, beat you inside. It's going to be a dogfight. It would not surprise me to see Franklin win. And I wouldn't count out Alta Vista, who beat Franklin last night as well. But uh, that is going to be tough. And it's amazing, too, uh, Demetrius and Ed, that we have literally left uh, undefeated teams, four of them. In the state, with Northside in Class 3, Skyline in Class 3, which nobody talks about, John Marshall, who's the top team in America, and Lancaster. Now, one went down last night in Ed's region, Menchville, out of Newport News, was 22-0 and and fell to Woodside out of Newport News, which we'll get to in a second. But pretty impressive. you got four undefeated boys teams across six classifications uh, for the state tournament coming up. And uh, we might have multiple teams go wire-to-wire unbeaten, which is a very big accomplishment. Right. Last thing, and I'll, and, and, uh, I'll let you guys go, and, and Ed could, could speak to this as well. Ed, one of the things that I've seen in the past, and, and I'm going to speak about Lancaster in regards to this, is that when a lot of these kids make it to the state championship and they go to the Siegel Center, 
they are kind of out of their element in terms of they're playing in a larger court. And so your normal three-point shooting, which Lancaster specializes in, sometimes can be a little bit of a challenge going from a regular high school gym to a college gym at VCU. And just give your thoughts and opinion about that. And you guys have a great day. Thank, Thank you. you, Demetrius. All right, what do you think, Ed, about the, the shooting a bigger court going to VCU? Some teams get that test when they go to Scope here locally, which will hit on some scores. We might save them for the next hour, do a little quick uh, top-of-the-hour scoreboard instead of our 10 o'clock scoreboard since we had Jeff Jones earlier on the show earlier. But uh, what's your feel on that? At this point, is it going to be a factor, or do you think it's it, irrelevant? It can be, but the powers to be say it's not a big deal. The bottom line is this, to try to shorten my answer. When you get into state tournament, when you get into regionals, regional semis, regional final should be an arena like the scope, a VCU type arena. So all the state games should be in a big arena. First round, semis, and of course the champ- semis and of course the championship. That way all teams somewhat have a chance to play in a bigger opportunity, bigger arena. If you're a three point shooting team, I do think it makes a difference. We don't talk about it. The, the few times I have an opportunity for our teams to go to the bigger places, I don't really mention it to them because you, you plant a seed in their head and they'll use that as an excuse if they're messing up. But the reason that's not going to happen is because it's money. It costs you to get these arenas. So that's why a lot of teams don't do You see Region 4 in our area, they're not the arenas. They're playing at the local schools. And, and I think the opening round of re- regionals should be at the host higher-seeded team. You've earned that. But once you get into the semis, the championship of regionals, and the all rounds of the state tournament should be in big arenas. I don't care what the cost is. State footed, regional footed, schools footed. It, it, the kids deserve that kind of an atmosphere. And that's my cent, 10 cents on it. Do it for the kids. Do it for the kids is what the coach, Ed Young, says. We've got coming up in 30 minutes, Rick Hyde of the Kingsport Bulldogs. But coming up next after the break, we'll be talking with Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated. A key matchup in the ACC today, the University of Virginia, who's trying to get the number one seed for the ACC tournament. They had a tough loss this week to Boston College, by the way. They're taking on the Tar Heels of North Carolina, the preseason number one pick, which might not make the NCAA tournament. How crazy is that? We'll discuss that and more with AJ of Tar Heel Illustrated. That's the UNC rival site. Coming up next on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. It's been a busy program. We're only halfway done, just about. We've had on Jeff Jones of the Old Dominion Monarchs. Got his 200th win last night. We've also talked a little bit of high school basketball. We'll talk more high school hoops in the playoffs coming up. And now we're going to spend some time on college basketball. Big matchup in the ACC today down in Chapel Hill. A 6 o'clock tip on ESPN where North Carolina, the preseason number one team in America, 17-11 and 11 overall, is a three-point favorite playing host to number six ranked Virginia. And we're pleased to be joined by the man with all the insight, best UNC site in the land at Tar Heel Illustrated. That's NorthCarolina.Rivals.com. Our pal Andrew Jones back with us. AJ, it's not quite time for you to spend your uh, energy on baseball with your Baltimore Orioles, but this is a big one today for UNC and their tournament hopes, is it not? Yeah, it is. Um, I had not seen the line. I'm surprised that North Carolina's favored. I guess maybe 
the way UVA's played the last few games may factor into that, or, hey, it's just for gambling purposes, right? So that's wild. I had no idea Carolina was fav- would be favored in a game like this. They shouldn't be, I can tell you that. Well, we'll get to the UNC and Virginia matchup in a bit. My co-host Ed here is going to probably ask you about how bad the ACC is or how it compares to years past where you've covered this league for dozens of years and you know it from its great moments to its not-so-great moments, which this year has produced some of those. But I want to know, first and foremost, before we get to that, I feel like, and I've been saying this for a while, Miami's the best team in the ACC, and they put it on Carolina pretty good recently. Do you think Jim Laranegas Canes are the best team, or is it still to be determined who is the best team in the ACC? I'm with you. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, I also think NC State's really good. Okay. In fact, when you look at the, the way the tournament is now and the kinds of teams that advance, I think the three teams that have the best shots at advancing to Houston right now would be Miami, NC State, and Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, they defend. They've got old dudes. They've got shot makers. NC State, when Burns is on the floor, you got to guard one through five. And the thing I think that's really impressive about the Wolfpack is they can they can get on a run like a really healthy run because of defense and they can also get on it because of offense too because they can hit shots from everywhere they've got a lot of dudes that can score i think miami's a little bit similar but miami has a couple more high-end guys that get the backcourt terquavian smith is amazing but and i think more and more cells played really well this year but I love Isaiah Wong, and I love the way that he plays off the pack. And and I just I love what they have in their starting five. The fact that Omir makes makes bigs have to he drags them away from the lane, and they create all kinds of cutting angles and driving lanes and and kickout opportunities. And Larinaga is a damn good coach, and I think it would be fascinating if he ends up being a guy who's basketball tombstone when his when his days are over and he's and he's enshrined in the college basketball hall of fame says took george mason in miami to final four <laughs> that would be that awesome would be absolutely amazing <laughs> it would he, be he is, he's a phenomenal coach matt as, as you know so i think it's really cool and you add a little more virginia flavor that the, the jeff capel components since there's some capel history there in the tidewater mm-hmm. uh, you know here's a guy who perfectly used the portal they have great cohesion. I was up there at Pittsburgh December 30th when when they no one realized that they were good yet, and I covered Carolina up there. And the thing that really jumped out at me about Pitt is that they have great cohesion, and that's really what it comes down to. If the coaches let kids play in the right way, they have the right they have the right uh, mindset. And coaches help fuel that. And the kids have cohesion. They can make some shots. That right now in 2023 gives you a chance to do a lot of stuff in the tournament. I think those are three teams that absolutely can make runs. There you go. And a couple of our buddies with Capel, Larinaga, Milan Brown, the staff with uh, Capel yeah. at Pittsburgh. They can make some runs out of the ACC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Andrew, this is Ed Young here. Um, and I, I agree with the things that you're mentioning. Now, I told Matt, uh, well, we were in the commercial. I made this comment. It's a crazy one. Get ready for it, AJ. And I told him that <laughs> North Carolina will make the Sweet 16. And he looked at me and said, you're an idiot. They won't. They may not even make the ACC, uh, get out of the ACC tournament. Now, I, I say it only because it's a year where it's crazy. I'm talking Big 12 is supposed to be the team that's going to send the most. Now they're saying Big 10. And the ACC is not as strong. But this is the kind of year where somebody, the Blue Bloods, can get hot at the right time, and they have the thing. Now, 
I need to hear from you because if you tell me I'm crazy, I'll believe it and I'll shut up. When Matt says I'm crazy, you know, it takes one to know one. But in your estimation, as you cover the ACC, you've been around the basketball a lot. Could it happen or there's just no way North Carolina is going to go anywhere? Yeah, it could. And to your point about the Blue Bloods, each of the last two years we've had a Blue Blood that didn't have a great regular season go on a run. UCLA two years ago and Carolina last year. The thing that would make me question Carolina doing that this year is that the, the, even though the Tar Heels won 10 out of 12 in one stretch, they weren't ascending at a very uh, high rate. It was more brick by brick. <clears throat> you would think that a club as mature and experienced as this one is, it would have been more than just brick by brick. I think part of the problem is there's a little bit of a disconnect with Hubert and his team. Like I don't think Hubert fully trusts them which is why he calls set plays all the time. Even when they're in transition, if it's not a straight run out, he'll stop the transition to call a set play. And that tells me he's either micromanaging too much because that's the way he does things, or he doesn't trust the kids because they're not making shots this year. So if that continues, and I think that that probably will continue. We're 20, what, seven games into the season, 28 games in the season. I see no reason it will change. That gives me less confidence that North Carolina will make a run because I think that their mental disposition right now is wholly different than it was this time a year ago. In fact, they barely won at Notre Dame the other day, a club that's 2-15 and 15 in the league. And Hubert said yesterday that that was the happiest the locker room's been all year long. I, and he said that in response to a question I asked him, saying, when I talked to four players outside the locker room in South Bend the other night, I got a tremendous sense of relief from those kids. So you're in late February, and you got this veteran club that is having a sense of relief after escaping Notre Dame with a four-point win, a game that, quite frankly, Notre Dame should have had a big lead earlier, an insurmountable lead, because Carolina was awful in the first half. That, to me, says a lot. However, the flip side of that, Ed, is that maybe that was their bottoming out. Maybe the relief will loosen them some and they won't play as tight moving forward, which will absolutely need to be the case today if they're going to beat UVA. And perhaps they become that team that can make a run. Because if they're playing loose and they're clicking and they're hitting enough shots, when you look at the composition of rosters, they have as much a chance to make a run as anybody. I just don't know that this club is wired that way right now. And, in fact, I'm with I'm with Matt. I'm not sure they're going to get to the tournament. Uh, their season may be done in Greensboro because I doubt they'll accept an NIT beat, uh, bid. So they don't win tonight. They don't win Monday night at Florida State, and they don't beat Duke next week. I think they have to win the ACC tournament because the league is not respected. And I'm not sure this club, with, with Hubert not using the bench and as poor as they shoot the ball, I'm not sure they can do that. You know, you know Andrew, I listened to this in a, a little bit of amazement, and then you're up close, and it, and it kind of solidifies what I thought earlier. What – what is going on now? They, when they hired, first of all, when they hired Davis, and this is not going to be no knock on him. What do I know on this? I was totally shocked. I didn't see him as the head coach, North Carolina, but he did a great job with them last year. Now, pretty much the same cast. It, it's like he's stuck in mud this year, and and maybe is he trying to show that I have to be in control, or why not let those kids play and then you make your adjustments as necessary if we need to go more set plays, but. You know, especially in transition, you got to let him go. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing, uh, 
he he they had a great run in March last year, obviously. And 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 it's rare that a blue blood can sort of capture the imagination of the country, but they did that because the, they had such great spirit during that run. A lot of that was him. He's a very likable character, a very likable man. He's someone that a lot of the people in the country and maybe didn't like old Roy. They looked at Hubert and said, "Boy, I like that guy." So they were okay with Carolina making a run. The reality is that he's been the head coach for nine months of regular season play now, and they've only been good for one month. They've been wobbly for the other eight, and at times bad. It you know, they'd flare up and have a really good game like against Clemson a couple of weeks ago, and then turn around and shoot uh, what it's eighteen point seven percent from three in the last three games after going fifteen for thirty three against Clemson. That's who they are. After 28 games, you, you can't really camouflage who you are anymore. That's what they've been, and that's what they were a year ago. They were awful at times last year, and they've been awful at times this year. So eight months of mediocrity, one month on a roll. I do think they got a little fortunate last year in the tournament playing someone like a St. Peter's in a regional final. But, hey, they beat Duke in Kenny's last home game. They beat Duke in his last game. They had a 15-point lead at halftime in the national title game, so they were doing something right and playing at a very high level. They just haven't been able to recapture that. And I think maybe that's part of the problem. Because when we talked to the kids in July, we had a media gathering with the players in July. And then, of course, we had the stuff in October that to a man, they kept saying it's, not, it's championship or bust. That's a direct quote. So I asked Hubert at the ACC tip-off in October, are you okay with the kids saying championship or bust? He said, I have no problem with it. I don't see it that way, but I'm okay with them seeing it that way. And I think maybe that's where some of the disjointed uh, communication and message started because they probably, they either should have all been on board one way or all been on board the other way. And I think this club has spent so much of the season trying to be the championship robust team that reality has set in here in the last few weeks that they're not that. And I think it's affected a lot of things which is why maybe celebrating a win in which you had no assist in the first half against the worst defensive team in the league, but you still got to win. Maybe that is the signal that they've gone through all that stuff. They've worked through it. They're like Andrew Dufresne who's come out of a tunnel and he's in the crap filled water, but he's, he's getting doused with rain. He's getting cleaned off. Maybe that's them coming out of South Bend. Pardon the metaphor there, but maybe that's where they are. Cause as you guys know, this stuff is so psychological, and I think that the psychology of this team is every bit as important right now as anything else with them. No doubt when you're dealing with kids in their late teens, early 20s, it sometimes takes a psychiatrist. We're chatting with yeah. Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated. It's the UNC site on the Rivals Network, NorthCarolina.Rivals.com. Give them a follow on Twitter to at Heel Illustrated. You'll get all the UNC info you need as we get you set for tonight's key ACC tilt with North Carolina playing host to UVA. It is 757 Saturday Sports Talk here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. And uh, AJ, I you know I mentioned it earlier with Ed and it's that I was crazy, or I said he was an idiot to think they can make a Sweet 16 run. I actually said a couple weeks back, I felt like the game that can change their season is today against UVA, and I think they can win it. It's actually, in my eyes, a bigger game than that Duke game uh, on March the 4th, where everybody will be looking at that matchup, even though you have Pitt and Miami playing possibly for the number one seed in the ACC in the regular season title. But Give me a key angle, key player on each side today, and do you think UNC does pull it out against UVA tonight? You know, I, I agree with you, uh, what you said about this being more important, in part because the only way the Duke game matters outside of Pride next week is if they win tonight Monday. So um, that's part of it. But also, 
One of the things that we've learned talking to the Carolina players and media who covers their opponents is in the last month or so, every game we're told that the other team knew what they were running. So they snuffed it out. And the other teams are saying, yeah, we knew what they were running. We snuffed it out. We turned them into a dribbling team. And if you've watched Carolina closely, you see guards dribbling the ball like crazy. And then they put up tough shots. Hubert yesterday talked about shot selection. There is no team in the ACC that's going to make you take bad shots more than UVA does, make you take uncomfortable shots. And UVA will scout those sets as well as anybody. So how does Carolina get their shots today? If there is fluidity and if they screen well and they use screens well, some of the things they haven't consistently done, and they move well, and and if Armando handles those double teams and they can get shots out of it because they'll have a mismatch somewhere or a numbers advantage somewhere on the floor, then I think they have a chance to win. And if they do that, it's going to require that they play at a high level, a high level of being connected and a high level of basketball IQ with shot selection. So if they win tonight, I think it's enormously important sort of sending them into that March mode that they got into last year because they struggled right up to the end of February last year. They barely beat Syracuse at home in overtime and needed Caleb Love to hit like four threes in overtime to win that game. So they were in a similar place. The difference is they weren't carrying the weight that they are now because of all the championship or bus talk being the preseason number one and all that stuff. So I agree with you. I think it's huge, and I think that's the key. They have to score because UVA's had a lot of trouble scoring lately, and that could continue. But that doesn't mean that UVA can't win a 46-44 game today, and it could end up something like that. So the Tar Heels need to play at an exceptionally high level for them which might be enough to get a win. I, I kind of sense that they're going to make some shots. And honestly, I'm, I'm really not impressed with the Wahoos the last few games. Reese Beekman is struggling big time. They may end up going big today. Because if you remember in the first game, uh, Pete Nance didn't play for Carolina, and Baycock got hurt a minute into the game and didn't come back. Mm-hmm. And Tony went small with Vanderplas, and they've kind of gone that way since then. But I'm not sure if that'll work today with Nance and Baycott on the floor. It's a very different UNC with them available as opposed to when they weren't. So I kind of like Carolina's chances, not because I I love where this Carolina team is. I just don't think UVA's in a great spot right now, and I don't see how they climb out of it tonight. And to AJ's comments, Ed, leading score for UNC is Armando Baycott, who played his high school ball in Richmond, 17.3 points per game for the Heels, 12.4 points per game. UVA's Armand Franklin, their leading scorer, so they need the offense as well. Yeah, yeah. and he's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. When you look out there sometimes and McNeely's out there for 10 minutes, it's because Franklin's off. They need someone to put the ball in the basket. So they, they've had some issues. And if there's ever a tonic for Carolina's on-again, off-again defense, it might be UVA coming in there. Because if Kihei's dribbling for 20 seconds on a possession, I think that's good for Carolina. I love Kihei, but you don't want him dribbling for 20 seconds. You don't want no. them getting stuff through their passing, cutting, and movement. And and if they turn him into a dribbling, uh, into a dribble fest, then I think Carolina's got a good shot at winning. Hey, AJ, i got to pick your brain on this one. You mentioned – uh, the transfer portal, Pitt doing a great job of mixing. And I was talking to a few college assistants in the past few weeks about how it's changed recruiting. And it reminds me back in the day, probably before your time, when a lot of schools got JUCO players. Uh, they yeah. loaded up on JUCO players, two-year schools. Then that kind of went by the wayside for a lot of schools, and they loaded up on the prep school player, the one the kid who goes to a prep school one year and 
and they loaded up on those. Now it's back to the portal. And and I and I told this one college coach that it's like back in the JUCO day, and he said, you know, that's an excellent way to look at it. Never thought of it because you're jumping in a portal with so many players, and you you bring in kids. And I always wear as a coach the 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 mixture. Um, how does it set with your team when you bring in these kids that have played in different programs, have different upbringings, based on what you traditionally do? As you look at that, and, and how much of an impact do you think it makes on team success and not the portal itself? Has it been more of a help? Because it seems to me with some of the leagues like the ACC, it's been more of a problem than a help. Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a really good question. I think that if you're, if you're looking at some of the schools that – let's look at North Carolina since we're talking about North Carolina. They hit the jackpot with Brady Manic last year. But very quietly behind the scenes, it was a miserable failure with Dawson Garcia. I think with Pete Nance, he has not been what Hubert Davis said he would be. So if you and Justin McCoy, who played UVA, I think they kind of considered he'd be sort of a distant role player all along. So three players in two years at UNC brought in off the portal they thought were gonna gonna help a lot. Only one of them has really helped a lot. Nance is still struggling. When you look at Pitt, it's working really well for Pitt. You work at look at Miami, it's working really well for look at NC State. Look at what they've gotten from uh, Joyner and from Burns. I mean, those two guys have made them Final Four contenders, in my opinion. But I think part of the problem is that you you get a lot of guys that come in from other places, and sometimes they're they're leaving their school for different reasons than other players. Some of them are leaving because they've just got to escape. Some are leaving because they want to upgrade. And one of the things that I was talking with somebody in the media about this last week is we're finding that a lot of the guys that move up from from like the Winthrop level of DJ Burns at NC State, they move up. They're looking to ascend their game. Some of the guys that are making lateral moves are escaping something, and they're not as good of an addition. Maybe that's that's just a few examples there, and, and we don't really know because we need to see this for a few more years. But I love your JUCO reference. That's a really good one because I do remember Walter Berry. I do remember guys like that, and and a lot of times the guys went to JUCO because they didn't have the grades, or they went to JUCO because they didn't have some of the offers they wanted. And if you go play for a big time JUCO program like Walter Berry did, then the big programs will come. And you could transfer in seamlessly and you have a chance to showcase yourself a little bit more. Now guys are using the Big South. They're using the CAA as their JUCO stop in a way to play there for a couple of years, get seen, get stats, get experience against D1 talent, and then move up for a couple of years. So that is kind of an interesting parallel that I haven't thought of. And I and I do I do think it makes a lot of sense, especially for the guys moving up. I'd be a little bit more leery about the guys you know, bouncing from Big 12 to ACC than I would from Big South to ACC. Good point. For your, a good point. For your pregame, in-game, post-game coverage of tonight's UNC-UVA battle, plus info on Carolina 24-7, 365 all year long, the place to go is Tar Heel Illustrated, the UNC rival site, NorthCarolina.Rivals.com. AJ, always a pleasure. Enjoy the game today, and I'm sure we'll get you on in March as all the madness is going down. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Take care now. Thank Thanks, you, AJ. That is Andrew Jones with us from Tar Heel Illustrated. We'll come back and hear from Rick Height, head boys basketball coach of the Kings Fork Bulldogs Region 4A champs. It's coming up next on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1.